You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Now, for those of you who have been around uh, the last month, you know we kicked off a brand new year of ministry and kind of a focus where we were fixing our eyes on Jesus. And that's going to be our theme throughout the year. Each month, we're going to tackle different facets of this. And this month, we're going to be looking at four specific things that are kind of unseen in our world, but they have a tremendous amount of impact in the next life and in this life as well, even though they may be a little more intangible. And the Apostle Paul is going to help us to unpack this. This morning, we're going to look at the unseen gospel, and then next week, we're going to look at unseen power, and then in week three, we're going to look at the unseen glory, and finally in week four, the unseen future. So I'm really looking forward to being able to share God's Word with you this morning as we uh, begin this series and we kick this off. As I mentioned, this letter was written by a guy named Paul. He was Saul, and Jesus transformed his life, and he became that one of those first early champions of the church and of the Christian faith, and he was helping to plant churches all over the place, and in so doing, he writes this letter to the church in Corinth to try to help them to follow Jesus. And one of the things that he says, in fact, our theme verse comes from verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll put it up on the screen so that you can kind of take a look at it. But I want you to begin to think about this, and I want to encourage you for this next month to focus in devotionally on your times with the Lord, maybe reading and reflecting on chapters 4 and chapters 5 in 2 Corinthians. Here's what he says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So today, as we focus in on this idea of unseen gospel, I want to define for you very clearly early on here what this idea of gospel is, and then we're going to end our time together with a verse in the text of uh, one of the New Testament books, 1 Corinthians, that really totally clearly defines exactly what the gospel is. But to say this to begin with, the gospel simply means good news. Can you say that with me? Good news. All right. Now, who among us doesn't love good news? But yet, our world is filled with good news and with bad news, right? And it depends on where you come from, depends on what your frame of mind is in terms of when you hear something, if it's good news or bad news. Now, let me just get a quick read here of the room. And if you're listening by podcast, you can play along as well. How many of you, if you've got to hear good news and bad news, you want to hear the good news first? Let me see your hands. You want to hear the good news first, okay? And then you want to hear the, so the rest of us, you want to hear the bad news first, and then the good news. All right. So recently, when we heard the news that Tom Brady was going to be playing that first game, that was good news to a whole bunch of people, but not so much to us here in the Berg, right? Or a couple of weeks ago when Ben got his knee injury, that was good news for other people in the world, like the Ravens, doggone them. And not so much so for us here in the Berg, right? How many of you, it's October, and you say, this is really good news because October or November, this early crisp fall season is my favorite time of year. This is good news for you, okay? How many of you say this is bad news? I want 80 degrees all year long and some sunshine. Yeah, you're living in the wrong state for that. Sorry about that. For others of us, it's good news and bad news in our house every day when the kids ask, hey, dad, hey, mom, what's for dinner? We're doing well if we manage every other meal to upset one of them. 
Because, you know, Josh will say, oh, that's the best thing ever. Jenna, bleh, I don't want that. And the next day, as long as it's reversed, we know that we're doing well. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got the kids and there. It's always good news, bad news. Uh, in our home, in my marriage, there's a particular time of day where it's always good news for me and always bad news for Amy. And it's the early, early morning hours. My biological clock just wakes me up. I don't even need sunlight. But when that sunlight first comes into our bedroom and shines that light, Amy pulls the covers up. She wants to get under there more as possible and stay in that bed as long as she can. I'm the early morning person going to hit the ground running. It's good news when it's the time of day that it is time to get up um, And that whole idea of light and darkness, that idea that the light shines in, that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about here this morning. That is good news for us. Television struggles when you watch the news. You know, you might see 30 minutes of bad news, and you might get that last one minute where there's, oh, there's some token good news story here or there. We struggle to hear the good news. But what if, what if there was good news for everybody in this world? What if there was good news for everyone on this planet, regardless of where you were born, how old you are, whether you're male or female, whether you are well-educated or not so much educated? What if there was good news for whether you were uh, well-off financially and maybe not so well-off? What if there was actually good news for the entire world? No matter when you were born, No matter what generation that you lived in, what if there was actually some good news? And what I'm going to submit to you this morning is that there is such a thing. In fact, one of the angels in the New Testament speaks to shepherds when it comes to the Christmas story. Comes and he appears to them and he says, hey, I've got some good news for everybody on the planet. And then now taking it to the Apostle Paul, he's going to share with us today the good news that is for everyone, everyone that's seated here. So if you're here today and this week has been nothing but bad news or difficult news, or maybe you're in a season where, man, I just really need some good news, you've come on a great day because this is a day when you get to hear from God's Word the best news that this world has ever heard. So let me read it to you, and we're going to look at verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as we walk through this, as we talk about this idea of the unseen gospel. He says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What I want you to notice first here is that Paul says we are to set forth the truth plainly. We are to make the gospel seen. On its own, the gospel is unseen, so our job, our response is to set forth the truth plainly. Now, it's interesting, in Paul's journey, he had been accused of of, uh, distorting the Word of God, of adulterating the Word of God, of manipulating the Word of God for his own purposes and for his own self-advancement. And in these verses and throughout the letters that he writes to the New Testament churches, he says, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm setting forth the truth plainly. I'm not distorting it. We're staying true to the Word of God. And that's exactly what we are called to do as well, to demystify this gospel, this good news. We're to clear away the clutter by the way that we communicate this good news, by the way that we live our lives lives so that the gospel is clearly seen in us and through us. We're challenged not to mess with it and not to get in God's way, to make it clear. And the gospel gets a little fuzzy. It gets a little muddy 
It gets a little cluttered when we add religion into it, when we add tradition into it, when we add stuff to it. And so the writers of Scripture, the New Testament people that were following Jesus, they were trying to say, it is not about comparing yourself to other people. The Gospel is not about trying to say, hey, I'm, I'm a little better than you. I'm not as bad as you, so I must be okay. The Gospel was not about all the rites and the rituals that was a part of their religious culture of the day. The Gospel is not about a list of do's and a list of don'ts. Gospel is not, hey, if I can not do enough bad stuff, then I'll be okay. The gospel is not about all the stuff that we make it when we talk about our best efforts and sincerity and trying to be a good enough person. That's exhausting and we weren't made to live like that. And so the gospel comes into us and it says, hey, let's be clear. Let's speak forth the truth plainly. This good news. And so the way that we live our lives determines what people see around us. And if you're a guest today, if somebody brought you here, and you've been kind of pursuing God, you've been kind of investigating the claims of Christ, and you're feeling like, man, I don't know if I can ever be good enough, you weren't designed to feel that way. You, if you're saying, you know what, I don't know if I can ever not do all of these things and do enough of these things, if I can give enough or serve enough or take enough of this or not do enough of that, that's not how you were meant to live. Jesus came into the world to bring change, and it's good news for us as we sit here today. Our job is to not let anything get in the way of God's good news getting out. Our job is not to respond for people. Our job is to bring good news, to set forth the truth plainly and clearly. So, are you living the life that you were called to live? Are people able to see good news Again, we're going to specify exactly what this is in just a few moments, but generally speaking, are people able to see good news when they walk away from your interactions with them in the workplace, in your home, in your relationships, in your friendships, at school, on campus? Do they feel like they've encountered someone who is actually bringing good news by the way that they live their lives? Or would they say, nope, that's bad news. Here comes bad news. I can see it coming. Are we sending mixed messages? Are we saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm all in, and yet I don't live in light of this good news? It's a challenge for us to set forth the truth plainly, but Paul says that's our call. That was what he was doing, and nothing has changed in terms of us as followers of Jesus today. He goes on and he says in verse 3, even if our gospel, even if this good news is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing who are spiritually dying, who are lost, are other ways of saying that. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul says we're to fight the blindness, not the blind. Notice what he says as he walks through those verses there. It's our challenge to make the gospel seen. He talks about the fact that sometimes the gospel is veiled, that there is the God of this age. It's referring to Satan or the devil, this arch enemy of God and all that we pursue as followers of Jesus. This God of this age, he's not the God of all the ages to come, but right now he's got some influence and he's able to blind those around us. 
And if you're here this morning and you're trying to reach out to somebody else and you're trying to make the gospel seen, you're trying to set forth the truth plainly, but you're, fighting, you're finding yourself in a fight, remember who it is you're fighting. You are not fighting your teacher. You're not fighting your students. You're not fighting your boss. You're not fighting the people that you're employing. You're not fighting your coaches and your friends, your neighbors, your spouse. You're fighting an unseen battle. And yeah, it's easy for us to look at the flesh and look at what's happening there in front of us. But there's an unseen world that's happening all around us that desires to steal and kill and destroy. That's what Jesus said about this God of the age. And so the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus kind of helps us to understand this battle that we're fighting just a little bit more clearly because again, our natural tendency is to look with our eyes and many times Christians are the last ones to realize, oh yeah, I'm not going up against him or her. There's something happening behind the scenes. And so this is Paul's reminder to us in Ephesians chapter 4, or chapter 6 rather. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities, notice this, of the what? The unseen world. There's something else going on, he says, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There's a battle going on. And how do we remove the blindness? Well, we shine the light. We shine the light. And if, again, if you're here today and you're exploring faith in Christ and you're investigating Jesus, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Because maybe there's been a haze in front of you. Maybe there's been a fog. Maybe there's been a veil and you've been trying to figure it out. And today is your day for that veil to be lifted. Maybe for some of you, you've got family and friends and people that you love dearly and it feels like you just can't get through to them and they just can't get it and they just can't see it. You need to be reminded again that there is a battle going on where their eyes are blinded and you're not fighting them. You are fighting the God of this age. Paul says, this unseen battle. So he says, we shine the light. Look what he says back in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, for what we preach is not ourselves. When we preach, we proclaim the good news. This is not self-promotion. Our job is not to go around and preach us and how great we are. Our job is not even to promote church. Our job is singular. Look at what he says. We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. For God said, and he quotes, he's like, the idea here is from Genesis, let light shine out of darkness. This God who said this made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I love what he says, we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. The simple good news message is about Jesus. And we are to keep it about Jesus. Not about all the peripherals of faith. Not about arguments and trying to have all the answers apologetically. Not all the stuff that we can go down the religious roads here or there. 
It's not about icons. It's not about songs. It's not about buildings. It's not about this. It's not about that. It is simply about Jesus Christ and Him as Lord. Not even He is our friend, yes. And He is our confident, yes. And He is our buddy, yes. But He is also God incarnate. He is also worthy and sovereign of all things. And we would do well to worship Him as Lord. That means that we can't just say, hey, yeah, I follow Him and do whatever we want during the week. This means obedience. Wholehearted obedience. And we are to live that out. And that is how one of the ways that we make the Gospel seen. When people look at us and they say, yes, there's something different. And it's good news. It's not condemning. It's not judgmental. It's not harsh. It's not ugly. It's not self-righteous. It's not religious. It's Jesus and Him alone. Lord and Savior. So he goes on. And he says in verse 6, he makes it very, very clear his motivation for keeping it about Jesus and for making this gospel scene. If you read there, he says two things happened. In creation, God spoke the word and light and darkness were separated. He spoke into that darkness and made light. And that light shines, points us to Jesus. Then he said, then God not only spoke a word at the beginning, but God acted in his own life and in their lives who were bringing this message. And he said, there came a time when Jesus himself spoke and shined the light into our hearts. And we understood the gospel for the first time. And he says, that's my motivation for making the gospel seen. And there came a day, you can read about it in Acts chapter 9, if you want to jot that down and look at it on your own later. There came a time when this guy Saul, who had been serving God in the religion of Judaism all of his life, and he was passionate for Jehovah God, but yet he, at the same time he was rejecting the message of Jesus and who Jesus' followers were. And so he was going to persecute them. He was on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus, and on his way there, Jesus himself shows up on that road, knocks him down, and literally shines the light of the gospel blindingly clear into Saul's broken heart, his hard heart, and transforms his heart forever. And Paul, Saul became Paul, and he became the greatest defender in the first century of Jesus and his church and his gospel. So he says, I experienced that good news. I was in darkness, now I am in light, and I want everybody else to know that as well. And that should be our response as followers of Jesus too. How do we make this gospel scene? We share about this good news from our own perspective and what we've experienced ourselves. We do it by setting forth the truth plainly. What's the truth? The truth is, I was a mess. Jesus came into my life. The gospel made sense. I got a hold of it, and I was transformed, and now here's who I am as a result. Not because of me, but because of what he did. And our response to it, helping to make the gospel seen is to say, come and see. Come and see. Come and see what Jesus is doing. Come and check this out. You don't have to have all the answers to make the gospel seen. It's in your heart. It's in your life. And maybe you've tried it a few times and you've fumbled the ball and you kind of feel like, Ugh, I don't know what to say. I don't, know what, I don't have all the answers. Only the pastors can do that. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe that lie. You have that within you if you follow Jesus. You say, here's who I was. Here's who He made me to be. And now here's who I am. 
You make the gospel seem by setting forth the truth plainly, by fighting the blindness, not the blind. And you do it by keeping it about Jesus. I'm going to invite those of you who are going to serve us communion to uh, head to the tables and prepare to do that. But before we do that, it's time for you to hear clearly what the gospel is. It's good news, but what is this good news? What are the central key elements? If you're going to make the gospel seen, yes, you do it by living a life of integrity and honesty and character, and you do it by reaching out to people in Jesus' name, serving those who are poor and oppressed, those who are down and out, those who are in, who are in need. You do all of that. But there's a central message, because if all you do is give people a cup of cold water, but you don't tell them about Jesus, you've just given them a cup of cold water. And you need both. It's a both and. It's not an either or. And so here's what the Apostle Paul says, writing to this church in Corinth in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of what? The gospel. I'm going to tell you right now, clearly. What the gospel is, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Now listen to me on this. Don't miss this. If you are standing today on anything other than this gospel that we're going to talk about, your feet are not on secure ground. When the hard times come, when the difficulties come, if you come for a nice, easy, quick approach to Jesus and approach to faith, you will not be able to stand when you are attacked by that unseen world. Your feet must be solidly planted upon this gospel. If it's on your own best efforts, if it's on your sincerity, if it's on how much you've given or how much you've served or how much Bible you know, you need to scrap all of that. You need to be standing firmly on this gospel. Here's what he has to say. By this gospel, you are saved. You are redeemed. You are transformed. You are rescued. It's by the gospel that you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you would have believed in vain. And here's what he says in verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, preeminence, above everything else that we do. This is the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. The Gospel is simply this. Christ died, Christ was buried, and Christ was resurrected. And you tell that story in the context of your own. I was a mess. But then I came in contact with a person that I cannot see but I actually believe that He lived. I actually believe that He died and that He is now alive again and I follow Him because anybody who can pull off their own death and resurrection, I'll follow them. And the truth of this is that our faith is rooted in history. If your faith is in the Bible, your faith could get shaken. Because you can have a lot of debates about the Word of God. Don't get me wrong, I love God's Word. Read it every day. I want you to do the same. But my faith isn't based on a book. In fact, I'll be honest with you, uh, the first few centuries, Christians didn't have the book. So their faith wasn't based on a Bible that they were reading. It was based on an event in history. My faith is not placed upon this church. It's not placed upon any of us who lead this church. It's not on any one person or any rite or any ritual or any tradition. 
My faith is in a person and an event that this person was involved in. His name is Jesus, and he died, and he has been resurrected. And I actually believe that. That's when you tell the gospel, that's what you say. That's the kind of thing that you're communicating. And do I have all my answers? No. Still got a lot of questions? You bet. But again, I will explore. And Jesus said, come follow me. And everybody that followed him, they didn't have it all nice and neat and tidy. Nor do we. But if you're here today and you're feeling like you're groping around in the dark and you're reaching out there spiritually for something else and you're not sure why, and come week after week after week and I'm investigating this stuff, this is what we actually believe. This is at the core of who we are. And you can experience that gospel message for yourself today. So how are you doing right now in this season at making the gospel seem? How are we doing as a church? You have to know, if you're around here all the time, that every single week that we gather up in those rooms right up there, and we're praying and we're asking God for direction and wisdom and guidance for this church, that we're trying to set environments where the gospel will always and preeminently be proclaimed, where it will be safe for you to come and explore, for you to invite your friends to to come and see and come and check it out. We want to partner with you in reaching this generation with this good news. We can't do it all, though. It's a team effort. So how are you doing making the gospel? How are we doing at making the gospel seen? If you're still exploring faith, have you seen the gospel this morning? Have you realized for yourself that there was a God who loved you, that there is a God who loves you today, and He gave His life for you in the person of Christ so that you could hear the good news for yourself today. And no matter where you come from, no matter what your background, today is your day. You can experience that for yourself. You can put your faith in this risen Christ and begin to follow Him. Are you focused more on the seen world around you? If you've been following Jesus for a long time, it's real easy to start focusing on what you can see around you. Do not neglect this unseen world. Be aware of it. Do not fight those around you. Pay attention to the unseen battle. It's a reminder for us all today. And I'm going to ask you if you would to bow your hearts with me. And we're going to pray. We're going to sing a song and you can stay seated. The elements will be distributed. And then Pastor Bill is going to come and walk us through those. So we'll take them all together. These... There could not be a better day for this message and communion to remember what Jesus did. So Father, as we bow our hearts before you this morning, thank you for good news. For moments when you shine your light into us and it's the most wonderful display of your brightness in our deepest and darkest moments. Father, would you please remove the veil from our minds and our hearts and give us the ability to see you for who you truly are. Help us, Lord, to repent from secret and shameful ways. Lord, would you grant us the courage to set forth the truth plainly with grace and with humility. Father, would you give us victory over the God of this age 
And Lord, would you enable us to see the battles for what they really are. Lord, shine the light of your forgiveness into our hearts this morning, we pray. Help us to be strong in your mighty power. To put on the full armor every single day. And Lord, would you create a burning passion within us to help others find and follow you. So Lord, we commit to fixing our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen, Lord, is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Prepare our hearts as we go to your table this morning. We give you thanks for your sacrifice on our behalf. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.